Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you. <laughs> struggling through this morning like many of us are, I can imagine. It is March the 25th, 2022. Happy Friday to you all out there. And uh, we are on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. And uh, we are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Glad to be with you here on this Friday morning. <clears throat> Try to get through this. And uh, <laughs> I just, I have, uh, I apologize for the way I sound right now. I have extreme vocal fatigue, so uh, we'll see how long it lasts, how, how well it goes. I still have a baseball game to announce, announce this afternoon, so we'll see if I can even make it through that without a little bit of help. Um, we're not going to waste any time getting into the topics today. There's really only one topic uh, that we're all interested in talking about, and that is the Wildcats' loss to the Houston Cougars last night. In San Antonio, as the Cats lose seventy-two to sixty, in uh, in a dominant fashion by Houston, it was a, they put on a clinic last night. They sure did, and uh, you know we talked about it yesterday. It's a great basketball team. They are uh, not a, a slouch. This is not, in my opinion, this was not a five seed. They never were a five seed. I thought they were the most underseeded team in this tournament. I felt like they were deserving of a two or a three seed from the from the beginning. Um, and lo and behold, they were given a five seed in the South, and it just—it's one of those things. You, you know, in my in my bracket, I had kind of hoped that they had gotten knocked out sooner <laughs> because I didn't want to play them. I really, I, I really didn't. I don't, I don't, I didn't want to play Houston. Uh, they're a really, really, really tough team to play against. And just like Tommy said in his press conference last night, they're a tough team to play the first time you play them. Like they're, they're nearly impossible to beat the first time you play them. You you have to have seen them in action first. Um, and we'll, we'll definitely talk about that as being one of the reasons why Arizona had to fly back home to Tucson last night instead of staying the night in San Antonio to prepare for their Elite Eight matchup against, you know, whomever that would be. And it turns out it was Villanova, as uh, Villanova beat Michigan yesterday, uh, as we expected here. So, uh, you know, in, in looking at the game, look, I, I, I watched the game twice <clears throat> last night. Um, I dialed it up again late last night. I was having a hard time sleeping or at least getting tired enough to, you know, to fall asleep. So I just decided to turn it back on uh, and watch the recorded version of it. And it, nothing changed, um, you know, from my first opinions of, of watching the game. A lot less emotion, obviously, because uh, you know what's coming. And... Um, you're able to kind of, it's not like watching film per se. I just wanted to kind of see it again, just see how the flow of the game went. And it was a, it was a master class in how to beat Arizona last night is what it was. And Kelvin Sampson dialed up the, I mean, their style was already, you know, completely conducive to beating a team like Arizona uh, the way that they defended me. This is one of the elite defensive teams in the country. One of the five best defensive teams, probably, the f- one, the number one or number two in the in defense in the entire country, like it's it's 
they are the elite of the elite in defense, and it's it's all about team defense. <clears throat> you watch them, you watch them move. It's like, you know, I said yesterday, it's almost like they're tied on a rope together. You ever seen like those? Like, it's like the, that halftime performer, and it's one guy, and he has like these sticks tied to his arms and his waist and his legs, and then on the end of these sticks are like some puppets, and it looks like they're dancing, like they have like this choreographed kind of dance move and stuff. I, it, they, they've been in like college and NBA arenas for years. This, you know, these guys have been doing this this bit. That's what Houston looks like when they play defense. When when one moves, they all move. It is. It is a, a beautiful concert of how to play team defense. It is remarkable uh, how they buy into that system and how Kelvin Sampson is able to coach them up that way. It is, it is, is nothing short of, of a miracle to try to get young college players who have NBA dreams on their mind and not a single one of those dreams includes you playing defense. I mean, that's just <laughs> that's the way kids think these days, man. They see – you know, the Zion Williamsons, they see John Morant, they see Steph Curry, and you never see those guys on those highlight reels because of the great team defense they're playing. Uh, you know, so these young, you know, impressionable young men, they have their, their dreams on being in the NBA. And, again, it's it's so so difficult to get them to buy in to play defense. So my hat's off to anybody who can coach uh, a, a team to play defense the way that, the way that Houston does because – my goodness, it is uh, it is remarkably beautiful basketball, really. Uh, you know, it's and it's tough basketball. You know, it, it's you, you know you, you talk about the postseason and NCAA tournament and stuff, and and yeah, sometimes you got to be a little lucky. And when I say lucky, it doesn't mean like you know you know luck the luck of the ball. And sometimes it is just about a luck, the luck of the ball bouncing your way. But you got to be lucky in your draw as well. Um, you know the. The, the Wildcats had to play two really tough styles in back-to-back games in TCU and Houston. And, uh, you know, they learned a little bit from TCU. And I had hoped that that would kind of serve them well in the game against Houston. But Houston was just, they were a force last night. And they were just so good at everything that they did. And it completely broke down the Wildcats. From, I mean, from, from the first minute of the game. You know, I mean, this was the first minute, you know, uh, I think, this was only the second time all year that Arizona, or maybe third time all year that Arizona didn't have a lead at some point in the game, whether it be two nothing or at the end of the at the end of the the, the game. Um, they just they they never led. They were down seven to two. They were down nineteen to nine. Like it was just it was snowballing, and there was nothing they could do to get it back. They they you know, they tried at the beginning of the second half, and the offense was looking good, and the defense failed them. You know, and that's going to be on my list of, of things of why, you know, why we are where we are today. But basically what happened last night as I was, as I was watching and, you know, you read the, 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 the stat report, the box scores, um, you kind of look through some of those things. And then you, you watch it happen and you realize, yeah, uh, Houston beat Arizona at their own game, uh, essentially. Houston won the points in the paint match 26 to 18. It was the lowest amount of points that Arizona's had in the paint all year. 18 points is, for what we saw from this team that averaged 41, I think, or 42 points in the paint all season long, uh, to be outscored 26 to 18 in the paint by a team much smaller than them is discouraging, to say the least. Houston won the points off turnovers battle 24 to 6, even though Arizona didn't turn the ball over an exorbitant amount of times. I mean, just... I think it was just once more or twice more than, than Houston did. Uh, it wasn't like it was 
you know, it wasn't like Houston was plus nine in turnover ratio, but they outscored the Wildcats 24 to six because they were just much more efficient at turning those extra possessions into points. And I, you know, honestly, the second, the second chance points weren't really tilted. In fact, I think they were either even or even, I think Arizona may have even had an edge in second chance points. I mean, I wasn't focusing on that because it ended up not being a big deal. I thought Arizona, um, they, the players responded extremely well to the tenacity that was required to rebound the basketball against a team like Houston. Um, I thought they responded really well. But Houston came out and, and essentially, like I said, beat them at their own game. They beat them in points in the paint. They beat them in points off turnovers. They beat them in fast break points. They had more fast break points than the Wildcats did. They had 12 to Arizona's 9. And in a in a in a unquantifiable by numbers essentially. I mean, Ken Pomeroy can can uh, can quantify it by numbers. It doesn't speak to really you know what exactly it all means, but pace, uh, pace of game. You know, Arizona dominated the pace in 98% of their games this year. The games that they didn't are the games that they lost. And that's what Kelvin Sampson even said in his post-game press conference. He said it was just, for us, it was all about pace. Uh, you, you, you have to beat Arizona by slowing them down. You, if, you, if you let them dictate the pace of the game, you are going to lose. And Rick Barnes recognized that when the Wildcats went to Knoxville. He dictated that pace, and you know they, Arizona lost that game in a really tight matchup. Mick Cronin, obviously, I mean, he's, he's all about you know, the same kind of style. He wants to slow everything down. He's much more deliberate on offense, uh, slows everything down on offense, uh, wants to you know, take the air out of the ball, that kind of stuff, slow things down, make sure you get into a close game. Your defense and toughness will, will eventually win out. Arizona lost, of course, to that game in, in Los Angeles, but then were able to turn around and beat UCLA twice uh, later in the season. So Arizona was able to avenge that loss. And then the, you know, the other loss that they had in the Colorado game, they just they were, they were gassed. They didn't have any gas in that game, and Colorado just blitzkrieged them. It's just the way it goes sometimes. But uh, this Houston team, uh, they beat Arizona at their own game, and that's, that's really what it boils down to. Arizona excelled all year long in – those four categories, points in the paint, points off turnovers, fast break points, and pace. And when I say points off turnovers, I don't mean that Arizona won the points off turnovers battle, although they often did. If you look back, honestly, people think that that Arizona, you know, this turnover-prone team was just getting blown off the ball in points off turnovers. And in, in fact, if you look back at all the box scores throughout the, throughout the, the season in all 37 games, you know, they, they really, you know, even when they were like minus seven or minus eight, Points off turnovers were even in those games. Arizona was able to rally, play defense, and keep the, uh, the opposing team from scoring off of those turnovers. They did a really great job this season of securing their defense when they turned the ball over. Last night they did not. Uh, they got they just got completely blown out in that uh, in that aspect. So, <clears throat> you know why why did that happen? Well, number one, Houston's defense just took Arizona completely out of their game. I mean, you look at you look at the numbers. The, the numbers don't lie in that aspect. I mean, this was this was one of the worst offensive performances that Arizona's had all season long. Um, you know, they shot thirty three point three percent from the field, making only a third of their shots. Seven of twenty two from beyond the arc, which we you know we're kind of it, it's not a it's not a horrible number by Arizona standards. I mean, we've you know we've certainly shot worse, but uh, they certainly have shot a lot better. And uh, last night they didn't. 
uh, even at the free throw line, they missed some free throws here and there. Um, you know, just it, it was it was just you know Arizona just had one of those really bad nights, but it was attributed to Houston's defense, and they were dialed in, man. Um, and honestly, you know, you watch the game, and you you the first time through, I'm watching it, and I'm frustrated as hell because. We're dropping balls, you know, and, and like I, I even said on the air yesterday, I'm like, this team's got great hands. You know, we can we can rely on their hands, and their hands just failed them last night. They were, I mean, from the get-go, Tabellis gets the steal, loses the ball, dribbling it, ball goes out of bounds. So there was, you know, there was problems there, corralling rebounds in certain aspects, catching the ball on passes. There was miscommunications on offense. It was, they had just gotten completely taken out of their game, and you really just have to take your hat off to the better team last night, and that was Houston. And Houston played better in every aspect of the game. Houston's offense was better. Their defense was certainly better. Rebounding was a little bit better, although, I, I, honestly, I mean, I'm really proud of the way uh, the Wildcats rebounded last night. I thought I thought they did a really good job uh, rebounding. They lost the rebounding edge by two, but, you know, 16 offensive rebounds for Arizona. They were crashing the, uh, the offensive glass. You know, that happens when you miss all the shots that you do, but – because uh, you can't rebound a made shot, obviously, so that will, you know, that will skew the numbers a little bit. But I didn't feel like, I didn't feel like Arizona got dominated on the glass. You know what I mean? Like we, you know, the way that Houston is is accustomed to destroying teams on the glass, that didn't happen last night. I thought Arizona they they brought their lunch pails and they did what was necessary to make sure that that Houston didn't crush them in that aspect of the game. And I commend them on that because if they had, that game would have been a 30-point blowout. Uh, there were just other things that they didn't do. Now, why? You know, that, I guess that's the question that everybody is, is trying to answer today. Why? How did this happen? I, I mean, I have my thoughts. Uh, one of them, you know, I don't know what's going on. You can tell that, it's, that there's something mental going on right now with Azulis Tabellis. I'm not exactly sure what that might be. But he's not a he's not a poor basketball player. I know that we all know that he was an all conference performer this year. We watched him last year and just you know his potential just oozing out of him. And you know in this in this tournament he just hasn't been there, you know. And he he played well in the conference tournament. I mean in in Vegas he was great. Um, and he was great in times, you know, at times down the stretch. He, you know, he had the the ankle injury, of course, against Stanford. But uh, I thought he played in, you know, some of his best games after uh, the the sprained ankle. But in this tournament, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, he was 0 for 8 from the field last night, and just, you know, had problems doing the most basic things. Um, and you feel for the kid because, we, you know, we we know how good of a basketball player he, ha- you know, he can be. Um, so I don't know if there's something, you know, is something emotional or mental going on there? Is he worried about, you know, his home country and, you know, everything that's going on and the turmoil over there in Eastern Europe? I, you know, it's it's very possible. I, you know, he's he's a quiet kid. He's not going to talk about it too much. So, I, you know, I feel for him. Um, but they sure could have used him. I thought that, you know, I even said yesterday, I think I think he's one of the keys to the game. If, if we can get the good Azulis Tabellis back, um, then Arizona is going to be a real problem, a real handful for for Houston because there's there's very few teams that can that have a player that can match his size, strength, his speed, 
his agility. Like he, there's just very, very few teams that can match that because he's so big. He's six ten, but he he moves like a like a fluid wing player. Um, he, he's he's <laughs> he's a special talent. He's very athletic, uh, but you know you got to put together with the mentals as well. So uh, not having uh, Azulis Tabellas essentially for the last two games has has really hurt. Uh, Arizona. He only played 16 minutes against TCU, only 23 minutes as a starter last night. Again, 0 for 8 from the field. Uh, not his best performance, and I'm sure that he would like to get that one back and, and try it again. You know, Kerr, uh, after coming off the badly sprained ankle, he's not 100%. We knew that. He did get the start last night, but only played 19 minutes. He was 1 of 7 from the field, uh, 1 of 7 from beyond the arc. Again, three of those shots came it, with less than five minutes to go in the game. When they were pressing a little bit, trying to, uh, trying to, to, you know, to put as many points on the board as possible, try to get back in that game. So, uh, I don't, I, I mean, he he could have made those shots. I mean, if he had made them, things are you know things are different. But uh, nonetheless, I, I thought that I thought that Kerr played uh, admirably. He did grab four rebounds in the game. Just there was no assist to be had um, for Arizona. I mean, they were they were making passes, and either Houston was up to the task with a with an immediate double team. Or they just were able to get Arizona off their mark enough to where that player then had to repass the ball again somewhere. So, uh, so not having those two guys there was, you know, was a was a problem for Arizona. But I have two other things, and, and aside from individual players, because I don't, you know, me, I don't like to single out individual players uh, at the amateur levels. It's just not fair to them they're not being paid to do this not uh you know i, I know nil is, is available and stuff like that but these guys are not not making a whole lot of money uh if any uh to do this so i don't like to single them out um it's just not it's not fair and plus they got a lot of other things going on in their life like trying to figure out who they are uh the man that they're going to be their studies i mean there's all kinds of stuff going on and you know if we put ourselves in their shoes just for one moment you'd realize how difficult it is to be an 18 or 19 year old playing on a big stage like that. I mean, I, I challenge any of you to have uh, competed in a situation like that when you were that young. It's, it's very, very difficult mentally, very, very tough to do. Uh, but I have two other reasons why I think we are where we are today, and I will share those with you next right here on The Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here on ESPN Tucson. And uh, we're breaking down the Wildcats' loss to Houston in the Sweet 16 last night in San Antonio, losing 72 to 60. Why? How did this happen? I, I, I have two after watching the game twice last night. Um, I have two that I think I have that I have picked out that I have nailed nailed down why uh, this all came the way it uh, came out the way that it did. Number one, uh, say what you will about the offense. I mean, t- I give credit to Houston's defense on that. Uh, Arizona was taken out of their game. Uh, yeah, could they have made more shots? Sure. I mean, you can always make more shots, and there were several open shots that could have been made that just didn't go, and it happens. Okay. The biggest problem last night was Arizona's defense. Arizona's defense was bad. And when I say bad, I mean not playing as a team, not communicating properly, and in certain stretches, there were Houston players that could have 
tied their shoe and made a sandwich before any Arizona player had come over to close out on their jump shot. I mean, it was bad. And most importantly, that poor defense led to the limiting of big runs that Arizona has been accustomed to all year. Arizona would go on a 4-0 run and then have a complete defensive breakdown and give up a two, an easy two or, or a three-point bucket, and then now your run is, is done and Houston is back to scoring again, and now Houston's back on defense where they, where they make their hay. You had to make Houston pay offensively, essentially. Like you know, if you want you know to to beat them, you're going to have to play better defense than Arizona did last night. I mean, giving up 72, it's, it doesn't sound like much, but when you look at how well Houston converted their field goals, 46 percent from the field, 45 percent from three, and I'll tell you what, uh, a couple of those kind of rattled in and out. Like they were, one of them was halfway through the hoop when it rattled out. I still don't know how that one came out. It easily could have been a 50% shooting night from beyond the arc for uh, for Houston. They were just wide open jump shots being taken. You cannot allow the team's best three-point shooter to just stand there and decide exactly how and when he wants to take that jump shot. The defense was poor. Um, I thought the defensive scheme was good. Uh, Arizona was overloading, uh, you know, essentially the front side, knowing that uh, knowing that Houston is going to go strong side a lot. Houston doesn't – I mean, they will reverse the ball, but once they go strong side, they stay strong side, and that's kind of been their MO all year long. They like to, to win with numbers on offense, um, the same way they do on defense. They win with numbers on defense. And Houston last night was – getting reversals, ball reversals, and Arizona was just not recovering. And also, I thought Arizona took some individual poor choices. Some of the defensive players took some poor choices on some of the screens that occurred in those games, um, that occurred in that game on some of those possessions. And also, the switches weren't clean. Like, they weren't communicating out there. And I think, honestly, it's a lot of it was because of lack of focus because of how badly they were getting beaten on the offensive side of the ball. They were just they weren't converting offensively, so that's kind of stuck in their mind and they're like, "Oh, I got to go back and play defense now." Okay. Uh, where's my guy? It, it you know, it's uh uh it, it's kind of a snowball effect at that point. And there's another reason for that. And and the the biggest reason of all in my opinion. This this is the number one reason why Arizona is now home and you know, essentially why why all of this happened? Why those 40 minutes of basketball happened last night the way that they did? In one word, experience. We had talked about the lack of experience of this team going into not only the season, but obviously going into the tournament. They were the least experienced team in the tournament this year. They were the second least experienced team in the country. I mean, that's hard to believe. Of the 355 teams in NCAA Division One basketball, Arizona was number 354 inexperience now the experience factor comes into play with total minutes played minutes played together okay eligibility and all that kind of stuff is also factored in there but basically what they do is they say you know how many how many minutes have these guys been playing college basketball and how many minutes has this starting five been playing together Arizona was the least experienced team in the tournament this year and it 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 showed 
Uh, it really did. And I'll tell you why. Here, imagine this. Those of you who have played any kind of um, any kind of team sport for multiple years, where you've you've been, whether you played like in high school, college, or whether you played pro, semi-pro, something like that. Okay, if you've been on the same team for like three or four years, this has happened to every single one of you out there. For one, usually one or maybe two of those seasons, you got lucky. Two of those seasons, you're sitting there in film study. Coach is going over this, okay, and he's showing you your next opponent. And the next opponent does something, you know, unique. There's something unique about them, okay? And he says, <clears throat> he's showing it to you. He said, okay, they, this, and that, you know, he's, he's explained everything. And he looks and he turns to the room and he goes, guys, we've seen this before, right? We, we, we've, we've seen this before. We're good. And the entire room's like, yep, yep, we're good. Like, we got this. That's an experienced team, Okay. Coach can just walk up there, <clears throat> show them the film of, of, a, of an opposing team, and say, we've been here before, right? Anybody have any questions? We've seen this before, right? Okay, good. Let's move on to our game plan and how we're going to beat this. With an inexperienced team, you have to show them every single aspect of what goes on because they have not seen this. They have not experienced this. They have not gone through this. They have not seen what Houston does and how, how well they do it, essentially. So... It was a learning process for Arizona the entire way. This was not a situation where, uh, you know, those those players in that uh, you know in that locker room, you know, the the rotational players, the the eight or nine rotational players that were going to get minutes against Houston, all were in agreement. Like, yeah, we 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 got you, coach. We we've seen this before. We've done it before. We know what we're doing. We're solid on this. What's our wrinkle? What's our you know what what are the what are the tricks that we're gonna that we're gonna pull? in the game. Let's learn that. Instead, Tommy Lloyd and his staff had to teach this team in three days how to play against a team like Houston. And the experience just didn't pan out. The The athleticism didn't allow them to, to beat this team without the knowledge of how to beat them. You know, I mean, Arizona had been in this situation plenty of times before, playing a team for the first time, playing a style for the first time. However, Arizona was far and away the more athletic team on the court that day. And therefore, even if some of those mental breakdowns happened, the lack of experience cost them in certain situations. They could make up for it with their athleticism, their size, whatever have you. Houston wasn't having that. Houston, a, and a, you know, an incredibly experienced team, uh, I, it, it, still, it still boggles the mind that they, two of their best players, I mean, you could argue it's their two best players, were hurt this season, you know, got hurt in December, and have not been available to them. And they're still, <clears throat> they're still one of the two or three best teams in the country right now. And in fact, Vegas has them as the favorite to win the championship. They're they're the new favorites. They're the odds favorite in Vegas to win the championship. So they supplanted uh, Gonzaga, who lost yesterday as well. So for Arizona this year, it came down to experience in this tournament. You faced a team that matchup-wise was a complete nightmare for you, uh, and they weren't able to get it done. That all being said, I mean, you know, the, 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 the sadness is over, okay? You, you, can, you can carry it for a little bit longer, but it's, you know, at some point you got to move on. So what's next for Arizona? And I want to move on from this as well. I mean, you know, I, I, you know the, the, the season is over. It's a very successful season, and those of you who think it wasn't, um, I, 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 I'm sorry, I can't help you. Like, if you don't think that this, this season was a success, 
uh, and was a hell of a lot of fun, then I'm sorry I can't help you. You're just a miserable person, and uh, there's nothing I can do for you, unfortunately. So what's next for Arizona? Um, we'll talk about that because this team is on the up and up. And, yeah, they, you know, they're going to lose a couple pieces from this team, but that's nothing new for Arizona basketball. We should be accustomed to that, right? We should be, we should be used to that by now after 35 years of losing great players year after year to the association or to graduation. So we'll talk about that next right here on The Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back. The Jeff Dean Show here. So what's next? For Arizona, what is what is next for this team? What is this team going to look like uh, next season? Well, for Benedict Matherin, it's most likely the NBA draft, and I hope he does. I hope he takes advantage of this moment. Um, there are very few times in life where you have the hammer, and when you have the hammer, you must swing that hammer. And uh, I do believe that Benedict Matherin has the hammer right now. He is going to be one of the top ten players taken in this NBA draft, and he could elevate his status once he gets into individual workouts and pro days and things like that because uh, teams are going to fall in love with a lot of the things that Benedict Matherin brings to the floor, including, you know, his his the, the strength of his lower body. Like, he's just, he's just really, really strong in the legs. He's got explosion in the legs. He's got incredible balance. You know, one of the things about Ben is, you know he rarely gets knocked off his spot. Um, he's just got he, he's got such good balance for a player, and once he's able to kind of he you know Benedict is a guy who has grown kind of faster than his game has, and I really expect him to be quite a very good NBA player in about two years. Once he gets into the NBA systems and they start you know, teaching him how to transfer that balance, that, that, that great balance that he has into a more solid shooting situation for himself, and he's able to get a more consistent jump shot, he is going to be a dynamite NBA wing. I mean, I, I really believe that. I think he's going to be a very good player at the next level. And I think NBA scouts are going to see that, and they're already starting to see it. But um, I, th- I think that, that he's, he's destined for a really, really nice career in the NBA. You know, Dalen and Christian Coloco were asked about, you know, their futures uh, at the press conference last night. They didn't want to answer. You know, Dalen said, look, I don't want to talk about this. I just lost a game. Christian Coloco just said, same, you know, same for me. Benedict said, I'm going to get back in the gym, you know, right away. And that's that's Benedict's, you know, that that's his personality. That's his style. And, you know, most likely he means he's going to get back in the gym so he can get ready for the NBA draft. And he should be. Um I wish him all the best, and we all should as well, and be thankful for him for this run. Pac-12 Player of the Year and uh, up for the Naismith Award, uh, you know, a semifinalist for the Naismith, a second-team All-American, which is a, an incredible award to be given and be acknowledged with. So uh, all the best to Benedict. And, uh, I mean, hell, I, I guess stranger things have happened, <laughs> but uh, I fully expect him to, and he should, uh, go for the uh, go for the gusto and get into the league. I think Taylor, I think Dalen and Christian Coloco. I think they'll both be back. But 
you know, here in Arizona, we've had plenty of surprises before, right? I mean, you know, uh, Jarrett and, you know, others, you know, just a, a list of other names of guys who have jumped to the NBA before the fans thought they were ready. Um, you know, sometimes these young men, they get they start listening to the advice of people who do not have their best interests in mind, only uh, only dollar signs. And, you know, I worry about Christian Coloco in that aspect because of, you know, he comes from Cameroon. He is, you know, still kind of learning the, the cultures here in the United States. And, you know, I just I, I hope that, that Christian stays grounded, listens to the people that he's trusted, not only over, you know, for his entire life, like people like his family, but also the people that he's trusted over the last year or two uh, while he's been here in this program. You know, listen to them. <clears throat> Don't just uh, hit your wagon to the first guy that comes along and, you know, flashes you a few hundred dollar bills and says, you're going to make it great in the league. Let's go now. Uh, because I think Christian can come back next year. And I think Christian could be one of those guys that is up for Pac-12 player of the year next year. He's just, he's that good. And look, there's, there's 11 coaches in this conference right now that are hoping he jumps to the NBA because they don't want to see him next season. There's nobody in this league wants to see another year of Christian Coloco. But, you know, hopefully uh, hopefully we do. And I'm not trying to be selfish here. I really, I'm really not. I, 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 if, if a kid can, can go in the league and legitimately get drafted and make good money and be ready to play, you know, early, you don't want to just, you know, you don't want to sign a deal, make a million bucks, and then just sit there and not play. That's, that's like the worst thing. Um, so, you know, you hope that he's getting good advice and that he listens to uh, the good advice out there. I'm not saying that I don't think he's ready. Uh, that's not for me to decide. <clears throat> that's not for me to decide. Uh, if NBA scouts think that he's ready and he's going to be a top 20 pick, then sure. I mean, by all means. Uh, I just don't think that that's going to happen. I don't, I don't think he's going to get that high of a draft grade. Remember Kofi Coburn two years ago, I think it was either two or three years ago, the fans and the media were like, this guy's a top 10 pick. And then he goes to the NBA scouts and they're like, uh, we wouldn't draft him. And, you know, the majority of NBA scouts are like, he's not a player we would draft. He doesn't, he doesn't fit the NBA style. And even last year, his NBA grade was somewhere between 45 and 60. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's mid-second round to the end of the second round to possibly not getting drafted. So you can't believe everything you hear. A lot of times, specifically with big men, um, their college play does not translate to the NBA. They're looking for different things. So uh, keep that in mind as well. Obviously, Justin Kyer, he's expended his eligibility um, after twice transferring. You know, he came in you know, to, George, to, to transfer to Georgia, then transferred to Arizona, um, and, and his eligibility is all over with, regardless of the fact that everyone on the team wants to have him back. Uh, you know, I think Justin may, you know, he may come back in, in a capacity as, you know, as maybe a GA or something like that, but I think that Justin has uh, a future playing somewhere, getting paid to, to play somewhere. I think he's got some good enough chops to be uh, to be paid to play for some team somewhere. Uh, won't be in the association, but could be somewhere overseas if he uh, if he wants to take that route. And he's certainly got uh, two great, three actually three great uh, coaches in this program that could point him in the right direction to some great uh, great outlets overseas, whether it be Australia or Europe um, for him. Looking at newcomers for Arizona right now, there's only one. It's Dylan Anderson, four star center from up here at uh, Perry High School. Um, I know uh, I have a close friend who's very, very close uh, with the Andersons, and uh, they know Dylan very well. And, you know, Dylan is going to be he's he's going to be a project. You know, you look at him right now. uh, Dylan kind of looks like Chet Holmgren 
<laughs> you know, in fact, he'd be a little bit bigger than Chet uh, as far as, like, you know, shoulder-wise and stuff like that. But he, he's he got a lot, a long road ahead of him in the gym with Chris Rounds, getting him into Arizona shape, as I like to call it. Uh, so he's going to be he's going to be a project. He's not a guy that's going to come in, you know, next year and just dominate at the freshman, you know, you know, as a freshman in this league and all the other stuff. I mean, he'll come in, he'll play, uh, but he's got a, he's got a road ahead of him, and I think he understands that. And and he chose Arizona for a lot of reasons. One of them is because of their incredible strength and conditioning program. Now, what else is in the future for Arizona is that I believe that this coaching staff, Tommy Lloyd and this coaching staff, are going to have a wealth of choices of the nation's best transfers. This is a this is a program that kids want to play for. They often don't opt to play here as freshmen because for whatever reason maybe the, it was the wrong fit or they got some love from another another team or they were closer to home or they didn't want to stay, you know, that close to home, you know, whatever the reason may be. But this is going to become a major destination for the nation's best transfers in the transfer portal and there will be a lot we see a lot every single year it's essentially free agency in college basketball so Arizona's going to have a few spots that they need to they need to fill um, and they're going to do that with the transfer portal and and I you know <laughs> it's one of those uh, it's one of those nice problems to have if you're going to be Tommy Lloyd and the staff looking at trying to field all of the the interest that they're going to get from players all across the country so they're going to have to uh they're going to have to start doing their homework right now uh, moving forward to try to better their team for next year by looking at some of those guys that are going to be in that transfer portal. You know, I mean, and, and look, Arizona may lose players to the transfer portal. I don't know, you know, what some of the guys that are, you know, that are, they, you know, they, they felt like, you know, they came here because they were close to playing and then they get here and the reality is they're not close to playing. Maybe those guys look to transfer, you know, maybe like a guy like a Shane Noel or something. I'm not saying that, they will, and I, I don't have any inside information, so please don't run with that. That's not, that's not what I mean here. What I'm saying is these are guys that, that had options that came to Arizona then ended up not really playing a whole lot. So those are guys that you can always consider a, a, you know, a possibility to be a transfer portal-type player. And then we have other situations like we had with James Akinjo. You know, James Akinjo transferred out of Arizona before Sean Miller was even let go. James you know, there there were reasons for his exit. It wasn't because of the coaching staff, I'll tell you that much. Um, so, you know, I know that, that Sean loved James. Uh, he, and they, you know, they, they enjoyed uh, each other for, you know, for the season that they were here. But uh, James, I think, knew that, that something was going to be happening and he wanted to go and, and try to win himself a championship. Went to Baylor and, unfortunately, it didn't work out for him. Unfortunately, you know, having a guy like James Kinjo would have helped last night in the game last night. You know, have a guy that is is just a a a savage, you know, attacker of the rim. You give up your body for every you know every inch, every bucket, every point. Uh, you know, convert at the free throw line. You know, you, sometimes you need a guy like that to break the type of defense that Houston had out there. Ironically, James Akinjo would have been a a really nice piece to have. You know, a guy like you know, you know Nick Johnson. You know, obviously having a guy like that, or some of the other point guards and and two guards that Arizona's had in their time. Obviously, um, some of the great players that they've had here. It just always helps to have great players. Um, so Arizona's future is bright. I mean, it really is. Uh, I'm I'm already looking forward to next season. This one hurts. Um, this season. You know, I, I, I said it last night to you know someone who, would, who was consoling me. 
uh, you know, via text message, and and they said, you know, are you are you disappointed in the season? And I said, I don't have any disappointment with the season. I'm disappointed in the way it ended. Sure, I'm disappointed that we lost in the Sweet 16 when I felt like this was one of the two or three best teams in the country. Uh, but in no way, shape, or form was this season a disappointment. I had the time of my life watching this team. This was a breath of fresh air. It was fun. It was fast. It was flowing. It was, you know, so many other things. I I hope that you all feel the same way when you when you think about the 2021-2022 Arizona Wildcats basketball team under first-year head coach Tommy Lloyd that finished 33-4, and four, won the conference, won the conference tournament, won more conference games than any team in the history of this conference. Uh, so many accolades for individuals in the postseason. Uh, just a, a remarkable season, top to bottom. And unfortunately, they ran into a buzzsaw, and right now that buzzsaw is the favorite in Vegas to win the championship. And I, I don't <laughs> – I honestly don't see a team stopping them right now. I mean, after what I saw last night and what I've seen in the last two weeks out of that basketball team, I don't, I don't know if anybody's going to beat them. Like they're, they're just that good. Maybe Kansas, maybe they get into a rock fight with Villanova and give a bunch of a bunch of threes. That could happen. But man, that is a really, really good team. All right, we're going to take a timeout. More after this. You're listening to the Jeff Dean Show. Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. So we talked about the future of, uh, of Arizona basketball. You know, it's funny. You, you, you forget just how much turnover there was on this basketball team from last year. I mentioned James Akinjo, and we knew, you know, like guys like, you know, Ira went to go play at G-Dub, um, you know, to get himself a starting position. Unfortunately for Ira, he blew out his ACL earlier on. We got to see Terrell Brown win the scoring title here in the Pac-12. He transferred, of course, to Washington. You know, but they also lost Jamal Baker, Jordan Brown, Tibet Gurner, Daniel Bacho. All those guys transferred. Bacho's at Texas Tech, uh, who had a, a real battle with Duke last night. That was hell of a hell of a basketball game. You know, and, and looking, first of all, looking at the brackets, I mean, my bracket is just complete toast. I, I mean, it's it's absolute toast. My only chance to have any, you know, anything advanced beyond now is if UCLA and Purdue win today. Those are the only two games that I that I have that are on my original bracket that are even possibilities for the Elite Eight. And I have one final four team remaining left in my bracket, which is Purdue. It has been another bracket of upsets. You know, this was the... Going into the Sweet 16, it was the third highest average seeded uh, Sweet 16 in the history of the tournament. The average seeding was 5.3. Again, Houston was vastly underseeded, so uh, you know they very easily could have been a three seed in this position and, and changed the metric a little bit. You know, maybe bump it down to the you know sixth or the seventh lowest seeded uh, Sweet 16 ever. But regardless, you know, fact of the matter is the elite. Regular season teams are not in the Elite Eight. I mean, Duke has made it to the Elite Eight. Okay, we, we, we could probably consider them an elite team. Villanova, uh, I think a lot of people would, would consider them an elite team, certainly an elite program. They won two championships in the last seven years. Uh, and Houston, who people were 
poo-pooing moving into this tournament. People are like, oh, Houston's resume isn't very good. Well, you know, and it's all about the metrics, and the metrics love Houston, and they're just they, they don't they don't doesn't show up on their on their schedule. It's showing up now. <laughs> it's sure as hell showing up now. Um, you know, now depending on what happens today. Kansas and Providence, you know, one of those two teams is going to move forward. If, if Kansas doesn't move forward, I don't think anyone would consider Providence an elite team. Certainly the other game in the Midwest isn't going to produce an elite team, Iowa State and Miami. North Carolina and UCLA, say what you will about the programs, but I don't think either of those teams are elite. Yes, UCLA went to the Final Four last year. Remember, they went there as an 11 seed who had to get through the play-in game. And Purdue is, you know, a, a, I, I would consider them an elite team, especially with, uh, with that incredible guard that they've got on that uh, on that team so we'll have some more action today but look a lot of the big teams been knocked off already a lot of big teams been knocked off and that's just kind of the way this tournament has gone and unfortunately went that way last night for arizona all right we're gonna take a timeout in hour number two we'll talk some nba phoenix suns get chris paul back and then hang a buck 40 on denver last night we'll talk some nfl and we'll continue to talk some more college basketball as well. Stay tuned. Just a quick little two-minute turnaround here to the other side. You're listening to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson, KFFN Tucson, KWCX Tank of Verde, KMXZ HD for Tucson.